All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa, and uh, we're here today to talk about a movie I had somehow never seen before this week. And thanks to Daniel, that has been corrected. Yes. Yeah, we are here to talk about a movie released in 1999 called Idle Hands. Uh, I remember when this movie came out. And um, I don't know if I was its target audience because I was uh, I was just a wee lad of about uh, 13 years old, 12 or 13. Right. And and it, um, I, I remember seeing the, the commercials for it, um, having a, a definite knowledge of who Devin Sawa was uh, knowing Casper the friendly ghost. He was to me. He was Casper, the friendly ghost. Um, knowing definitely who Vivica A. Fox was because uh, I was already very familiar with sh- all of Schwarzenegger's work. Yes. And so she was an eraser, uh, I think, a year or two before. And uh, and I had fallen in love with her. Um, and, As one does. And, and I want to say I was already familiar with Seth Green, but I don't know from where. I think that you're just born knowing about yeah. Seth Green. Seth Green's just that guy that like is always there. Like everybody kind of knows who Seth Green is. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Yeah. Right, um, right. I, I was I was 16 when this okay. dropped. So I was uh, I was very much target audience. And mm-hmm. uh while I while I did not contribute to the stunning four million dollars that it made in the box office <laughs> as it was rated R and I was 16. I remember when it came out, like me and my buddy got it on VHS and we wore this thing out. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. <sighs> and it was I, I just remember being like equal parts, um, like really excited to be able to uh to just see the commercials. Because um, I didn't know who Jessica Alba was yet. I would become obsessed with her yes. a year later when she was on Dark Angel. Yes, this and, was this was most people's introduction. Like, I mean, this was like the world's kind of introduction to Jessica Alba. Right. Um, and um, how, how old was she when she did this? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. I can find out. Yeah, um, I I just wonder if if the way I if, if the way I felt watching this was was okay. She was she was born she was born in eighty one, so she was eighteen. Okay, all right. So I probably shouldn't feel okay with myself for but, the way that I felt watching this movie. No, I mean, I, like that's <laughs> like that's the thing, right? Like now we look back, but at the time you were the right age to be. I mean, yeah, you, you were the right age. Like I go through this all the time with uh, how smoking hot Lacey Chabert is. And, yes. and then I'm like, and I'm like, and then you like, you look back and it's like, man, she's always been, and then it's like, ah, oh, but if I go back to party of five, that's, that's too early. But it's like, but wait, that's, I was the right age then. So it, right. you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's, um, and especially looking back on these things, it's, it's a very tricky thing. It is. It's weird. It's a very tricky thing. 
So, um, so yeah, I, the only person who I think I, I wouldn't have known at the time is uh, Eldon Hansen. Yes. Uh, who I who I know now mostly as, from Daredevil as Foggy Nelson, yeah, as, as Foggy Nelson. He's a fantastic Foggy Nelson. Yes, and um, I want to say he was my favorite character in this movie. He, oh, dude, Peanut, <laughs> so good. Yeah. This, so, <laughs> so just uh, for for anybody who may not be familiar with Idle Hands, but you listen anyway, and if you are, we appreciate you. Idle Hands was a movie released in 1999 where uh, Devin Sawa plays a guy named Anton who is a lazy waste of human space he smokes potty watches tv <laughs> and that's it like at one point he brings up the fact that the only memories he has are smoking pot and watching tv his hand gets possessed by the devil he murders people that's that's the only synopsis you really need to understand everything uh-huh. we're about to discuss in this movie but you do have to understand that it is well, literally that, that only, is the only synopsis because there is no yeah, more information the, given the only the only little bit of extra we can give you is it's literally only his hand that is mm-hmm. possessed like he's not like a demon who's out killing people his hand is acting independently <laughs> and killing people because just his hand is possessed imagine if you it, the, the idea for this movie had to come from somebody who saw Evil Dead 2 and was like, Absolutely. you know that one scene where, where Bruce Campbell fought his hand? What if that were like a whole fucking movie? <laughs> and the interesting thing is that they kind of expanded upon that on Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh, really? Yeah, because they, they brought the hand back in, uh, in I, I think it was the first season of the show. And the hand was a major character. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting, and I, I definitely I, I got those vibes. Uh, you can tell that there were definite like spoofs and throwbacks to to older um, older movies. You saw things like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead on on the television in the background. Uh, the, the scene where you know, spoiler alert: um, Devin Sawa chops his hand off with a cleaver. Yes. I I got definite. Um, definite Evil Dead Two vibes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, it, especially because we we see you know Eldon Hansen like clamped down on the hand. He's like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he's got that look in his eyes, that crazed look in his yeah. eye, the same way that that Bruce Campbell does in in that one particular scene. Um, I really like this movie. Yeah. I was um, I was really surprised by how much I like this movie. Um, I'm. I don't think of myself as a um, like a like a a stoner comedy guy. Right. I, I appreciate it. You know, um, like I, I I could do the Cheech and, and Chong stuff. Um, I know Kevin Smith. Some of his stuff, you know, has been called yeah. you know Little Dazed st- and Confused. Dazed and Confused. You know, uh, um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. You know, uh, Pineapple Express. I could I can do some of the stoner stuff. Um, I went to college, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I, I can appreciate some I have, of this. I have, I have experience, <laughs> but I was, I was really surprised how this number one, the amount of stoner humor that was in this, but also how much of it was just plain old funny. Yeah. And you, you, you didn't have to be a stoner to really appreciate this. I, I agree. It's this the, this movie sits at fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which we've said over and over again on this show and in Geekmore. We don't put a ton of mm-hmm. weight into that, but it is something that out there that exists. So that you know there are metrics, um, but it, the audience is is like a fifty two percent, right? Which is where I would anticipate this to be because the people who like this movie are going to really like it. 
This movie, I like I said, wore it out when I was like 16, 17. We watched this movie all the time. And then I probably haven't seen it since. A frame of reference, I'm 38 now. So I went I, <laughs> Lots I went, of times passed. <laughs> yeah. So I went to turn this on, expecting to like chuckle, but also just anxiously uh, maybe of you know, a, a couple of words that they use. They uh, they do mm-hmm. use the R word at one point, um, yeah. you know, but outside of just a very little bit of language, this movie aged really well. Like that, that teenage comedy from the late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of that aged very, very poorly, um, especially in light of everything that are, you know, that the, the people are socially conscious of right now. Mm-hmm. This movie managed to avoid a lot of that uh it it is a movie that i turned on last night for like the first time in 20 plus years and i was still laughing hysterically i enjoyed so much about this movie um yeah like i said going back you know even as an adult now it's still creepy you know because she was 18 but you look back and it's like jessica alba in this movie she only exists to like embody the idea of this teenage boy fantasy, yeah. right? Like the, she, she's like so turned on when the, when the devil hand slaps her ass, like without Devin Sawa <laughs> wanting to, that she like throws him on the bed and mounts him. And it's like, yeah, bro, that's not how it works, but I get that that's how it works for this movie. <laughs> like, the, the, the interesting thing there is that like he is horrified. Yes. Right. So it's it's not that, you know, I, I don't think that that sort of behavior is being glorified. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in any way, because um, he's which, trying which, to which often, oftentimes in, in these these teen movies, particularly the teen movies of of the 80s and the 90s. Right. I'm thinking like Porky's your Porky's pie, to your American right? pies. Right. Yeah. You know, they they tend to be like, you know really offensive yeah like they're the type um, of movies where the phrase boys will be boys is embodied um and and i mean granted that's part of what the charm of the movies was and i think still is they exist in this weird time capsule um you know but something like porky's wouldn't work today right you know uh i i think that if if um if, if a teenager were walking watching porky's today um they would probably not be okay with it right yeah i would um not and uh and and probably the same thing with american pie whereas you and i can watch these movies and we we can still kind of disassociate that you know yeah you and and, and, and and watch it you know nostalgically yeah and say and say oh okay i had such a great time when i watched this movie before obviously we're a little bit more enlightened now uh but devin sow is like horrified at the fact that like his hand just did this. And, and of course, Alba isn't like necessarily turned on by the slap because we see her like taken aback at first. Right. She's like, uh, okay. But it's the fact that like he, he went for it. Yeah. Because he's, I didn't he's think been you have so the shy. Yeah. He's yeah. been so shy up until now. And then all of a sudden, like here he is making moves, you know, even if they're the wrong moves, like, <laughs> you know, he's, he's putting all his eggs in her, you know, bread basket as it were. <laughs> yeah and it's this like i said i i was i i i was surprised to find out when i did look it up on rotten tomatoes and find out it was a 15 percent. but then when i stopped and thought about it i was like really i'm not because a movie critic isn't who this movie was made for this no. movie was made for 16 year old me who like i said got this thing on vhs and i you know i was i was i was into i was into sexy ladies 
I was into scary movies. <laughs> I like I like laughing. I was like like it was so when you look at this movie at a, on a twenty five million dollar budget making four million dollars in the in the box office and a fifteen percent Rotten Tomatoes score, it's like wow, that's a flop. But it, it's one of those movies that it wasn't made for the theaters. This was tailor made for the group of kids that are going to mm-hmm. buy it and just watch it over and over again. And it actually recently I found out today it did get a uh, it did get a. Uh, 20 year anniversary um, Blu-ray release with a ton of special features. And now I kind of want to go find this Blu-ray and watch these special features because it's apparently chock full with them, including like storyboards and rough like CGI for a completely different ending scene involving a swimming pool. So I, I, I read about this where, you know, they had the majority of that scene done and they screened it and apparently didn't do well. Right. Um, so, but that, I mean, like, per- so, personally, but, I I love the ending that oh, they have in so the movie. It, like they they did they did so many fantastic things with this movie. Like the what what was what was some of the great things were that some of the things were were understated in the right ways, and some of the things were super over the top. Like you look at the stoners of um, Devin Sawa and um, and you know Seth Green and Peanut and all and Mick and. Anton, they're they're stoners, but it's not their entire personality. Like they're you see them smoke, so you know that they're high, but it's not like this, it's not this over-the-top comedic, like closed eyes, can't complete mm-hmm. a sentence high. Like they they portray, which I can only assume at the time that Seth Green and Devin Sawa probably smoked a ton of weed. Um <laughs> and uh, and so they they very much portray this, yeah. We smoke, but also like we have lives to live and we got to do shit occasionally. And so that part of it's very understated, but then you get Vivica a Fox playing this druidic priestess demon hunter who (laughs) like, this is her. And like her character is so over the top and she's tearing ass in this airstream. She she reminded me of (laughs) Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. Yeah. You know, it's it's just like, you know, this, this one track mind, you know, Michael must be destroyed sort of thing, you know? And I, I, I love that scene where like up until now you think that like she's got this amazing plan yes this awesome ritual that's gonna happen you know where where the hand's gonna like shrivel up and you know um and she finds him and it's like oh okay i know exactly what to do and she pulls out this knife it's like kill it i'm like must die that was that was your plan this whole time (laughs) yes and it's and it's so and then what's What's even funnier about like the characters and things like that and just making this movie hilarious are Jack Noseworthy, who yeah. is a stellar actor. It, like he always has a bit part. Like as soon as anybody sees this guy's face, you're like, I know that guy from what, right? And then you he's go that look. guy from that thing. Yeah. And then you go look and it's like, oh, he's been a bit part in a million things. He plays this guy named Randy, who seems set up to be like the most two-dimensional character ever. And he ends up being like a pretty dynamic and fun character. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you, you see him working on his truck and drinking a beer and it's like, Oh, okay. I get it. Right. And then he's that guy. But then he ends up like actually like kind of falling for Vivica Fox, not Mm -hmm. just trying to like sleep with her and being very helpful to her. Like, he like gives her, you know, gives her CPR after she gets hit by a truck, and <laughs> and and he's and he's, he's got the barf breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like 
every time you think you know what you're going to get out of one of these characters, it's just a little bit less or a little bit more, and it makes it feel more realistic and fun. I was, I, on our Instagram page, um, uh, Q was like so excited when I put up our schedule and had idle hands on there. And I, exactly what I said was, I haven't seen it in so long. I'm so ready to turn it on and cringe. And honestly, I turned it on and I just laughed. I yep. just, I like, I mean, it was, there were almost no, like, you know, I was never like in tears laughing, but I mean, I was constantly just chuckling. It was yeah. funny from beginning to end. Fred will, the movie opens with Fred Willard and Ma Torkelson. Like you right. can't, it's just, I, there's, I, there's so I many great Fred little Willard's things. face and immediately start to laugh. Absolutely. 100% and, and, of the time. And he plays this role so straight. Yes. Which, which to me is not very Fred Willard. Right. He's he's always goofy and he's always over the top. And and to, to see him play this role so straight was like all at once weird, but even more funny, I right. think. Um, and, and I think possibly my favorite gag in the whole movie involved Fred Willard, although it probably wasn't him and it was just like a, a body um, when Mick sees them laying on the floor he starts pounding on his chest right yes. and, and and anton push him he goes what are you doing man that's my dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it, it so as as we're talking about this you know so often in the when you get into the realm of horror comedy a lot of times when somebody starts to think about horror comedy what you start to think of are, are satire and parody movies mm-hmm. But I think that what we have here is a movie that establishes itself very much as a horror movie with a lot of comedic elements. So as we're talking about what makes us laugh, do you feel like calling this comedy horror is is accurate? Does it lean more one way or the other? Is, or is there maybe a different way you might label it? You know, I always expected uh, it's weird because I remember from a kid thinking that this was more of a horror movie seeing the the commercials now of course this is we're talking about 21 years ago right right so uh so i remember thinking of this as a horror movie in the 21 years that followed and hearing about the movie i thought of it as primarily a comedy when i finally saw it i'm like man you know this really kind of meshes well there's so few movies that i think do horror and comedy on, on such equal footing and do it this well. Um, like Return of the Living Dead comes to mind. Yes. Evil Evil Dead 2 comes to mind. Yes. Um, Shaun of the Dead comes to mind. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think this is quite as good as either of those movies, but uh, I, I do think that horror comedy is the way to, to I mean, it's not a spoof. It's um, it's kind of its, its own thing. Yeah. Oh, hey, you we've know. got a we've got a comment over here from Seth. The comedic horror romp featuring a man versus unpossessed hand. Where did they get that idea? That's what we were talking. We you you must have missed the beginning, Seth. We said that this movie was essentially somebody who saw that one scene in Evil Dead Two and was like, "Let's do it for a whole movie." Yeah. Um. So I I definitely think that this earns the the title, uh, comedic horror. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, along the same vein as as like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Yeah, you know, like it, that, that's that's very much where I stand with it. Because while I was watching it last night, that was 
the question that I had banging around in my head. I was like, this is one I'm going to, that, that I want to bring up. And so I'm watching, waiting, like trying to see, you know, which one is it going to lean towards? What am I going to qualify this as? And, and honestly, it is, it's so well balanced. Like they, they give you some stoner jokes and then they give you some sort of gory death or just, just like a scene that would fit in and just any splatter fest of a film, this movie without, without being a grindhouse movie, it's very much, you know, just it's, it's, it is, it's a drive-in horror movie. Like this is the type of movie you fill your car with and you go to watch your friends with, or you, you know, you go watch with your friends or you fill your living room up and you pour up drinks and, and everybody just laughs and, and jokes while you watch it. But then every time you settle into laughing at something or cracking some jokes, then somebody cuts off a hand and throws it into a microwave (laughs) and you watch it explode. Um, they, this, this movie was written, um, uh, I forget his name all of a sudden it was written and directed by, um, his name is Rodman Flender, but he's a Roger Corman protege. He's a guy that Roger Corman. This makes a whole lot of sense. There we go. He's a guy that (laughs) Roger Corman took straight out of college and gave a job to him was like, you're going to be big. And so he wrote and directed this and he, like I said, he, he very perfectly, like he sets up the horror moments with comedy. Um, you know, like, like a, a good, like a good joke can be told, you know, with the, with a straight face the whole time until you get to the punchline and, and then the laughter comes and then everybody mm-hmm. lets it wash over him. This almost does the opposite. It sets you at ease with the laughing and the jokes and the, the buddy movie element of just these three stoners. And then every time you settle into just like enjoy it and laugh, then something horrible happens. <laughs> and yeah. it does such, it's such a great one, two punch that I honestly don't feel it leans one way or the other heavily. I do think it, it blends and meshes these things really well. There Devin saw was physical comedy through the first half of this movie before he cuts off his hand is I was really stellar. surprised. I was really surprised T- to me. It was on par with, um, and I, I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for saying this, but the physicality of it uh, reminded me of like a Jim Carrey or a yeah. Robin Williams. Uh, and, and I'm not saying he's that funny. All right. I'm saying is that he was that physical with it. Uh, like I, I truly bought, that his hand was possessed. Yes. He was, he was doing all sorts of like weird things with yeah, the like hand. Yeah. Like he'd be holding and, it and it would just, and he's like flicking his fingers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, the scene where he, um, we, we've already talked about, you know, grabbing the ass, but where he's, he's finally making out with, uh, with Jessica Alba and he's, his hand keeps like trying to choke her, <laughs> like <laughs> yes. suffocate her. And he just kind of like whips the, the, the the sash off of her robe and he ties his hand you know and she's like oh kinky i like it you know yeah it's to me this movie unlike like we we talked last week about how hell knight didn't really commit one way or another to being like a a a gothic ghost story or a slasher movie and it kind of suffered because of it like it did both things well enough but not excellently right this is one that like really commits to being both. Like it doesn't say, okay, so it's, it's going to be a comedy and then there's some scary moments thrown in, or it's going to be a horror movie, but there might be some levity in there. Right. Like this is truly both of those things. Like I, I, I was watching the opening scene and the opening scene to me is like, it could have been scream 
or yeah. it could have been a nightmare on Elm street or, you know, it, it, or one of these big slasher movies, it was really tense. Yes. Absolutely. And I, I was really surprised by how tense that was. If it hadn't been for the fact that they had these two really comedic actors in there, I probably would have been on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, the scene before, before when he's in the bedroom with her, when the hand is like dragging him to Molly's house and he goes, it's like dragging him through the yard and he like flips over the barrier (laughs) onto the porch and like springs up and the hand is ringing the doorbell and he's fighting his own hand off the doorbell until he then falls backwards back over the railing (laughs) of the front porch. Like that, that moment was so funny. Devin Sawa was so 100% committed yeah. to the the physical comedy of this whole thing. Um when he's when he's killed when he kills um Mick and Peanut and he's he's trying to carry on a conversation with them the whole time and it's not that sly like killer it's okay we're friends thing he's genuinely just a guy trying to explain to his friends that they're safe around him while his hand is actively building murder (laughs) weapons and he's like so he's talking to seth green and he's like man we're we're, we're still friends this doesn't mean anything and then his hand like breaks the bottle and then it cuts away and you just hear (laughs) seth green get stabbed and then he chases a peanut down into the basement and he's talking to him. Everything's gonna be fine. And the hand throws the saw blade and decapitates him. It it was it was so well done. Like he's when he slings the cat. Oh my god! I laughed so. Oh hard. my god! That was so, <laughs> so. I I only laughed out loud, like blurted out loud one time. The rest were like light chuckles and like yeah. <laughs> you know things like that. But laugh out loud, like I had to pause the movie. Was that fucking cat? Oh my god, <laughs> that was so funny. Yes, and he just grabs the cat and he's like talking and it's just swinging it above his head, and he slings the cat. Just, just so many fun, goofy things like that. That um, you know, it, you watch this movie and you go when you go and look at Devin Sawa's filmography. The guy after this, he did Final Destination, and then basically everything yeah. else he did was like indie. But before this, you know, he did what Wild America and Casper, right? Mm-hmm. And so. For who Devin Sawa was at the time, who in 99, Devin Sawa was still like a front page Tiger Beat guy. Yeah. And so to come out and do this movie where it's like he's a stoner and he's filthy and bloody all the time. And and it was it was very anti everything that Devin Sawa was in the media. He was a heartthrob. Yeah. At the time, you know, it would have been akin to someone like Jonathan Taylor Thomas doing this. Yes. Or or Leo DiCaprio doing something like this. And so and for him to come out and and I mean, just he he carried weight with the way he did the physical comedy and the way he sold the jokes. And I mean, honestly, it showed so much of what he could do as an actor. Like I, I'm not saying he got final destination because of this movie, but final destination came afterwards. Yeah. And you know, it's easy to it's, look. It's, and, it's kind of difficult not to draw that line. Yeah. Between this and exactly. And final so destination. It's, it's kind of, yeah, so it is easy to look at this and be like, if this is why, you know, if this is why they were willing to put him in final destination or talk to him about it, this makes sense because this showed chops, even if they were being a stoner with the possessed devil hand, it showed chops. It showed that that dude could act and he could have a lot of fun and he could carry a movie. And I, um, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about him, but Seth Green and Eldon Hansen as, as Mick and Peanut, that comedy duo 
I I could have a sequel that's just them two. Yes. And probably be okay with it. Yes, they were they were so funny. Like, I mean, like even even at the beginning, but once they're once they're dead, like yeah. once once they're dead and they're still just living the exact same life, like he's throwing the cheese balls like in like his decapitated <laughs> head. And uh, they they decide when it went my favorite though, my absolute favorite is when Seth Green puts his head on like the 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 big like that's what spike, I was gonna say. And he puts it down in his neck, then he eats the bean burrito, so he duct tapes his neck so the beans <laughs> don't come out. Like that that's that's just friendship. I, I I love the way that he's like, you know, the the bean dips coming out, right? And he's <laughs> He does this thing where, like, he dips his fingers yeah. into like his rotting neck. <laughs> he like, hmm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and Seth Green's like, I can fix it. And he's just like looking around the house for like whatever he can find to like glue this guy's head back onto his body. And yeah. and, and and there's the duct tape. And I mean, it, it, they they really do care for one another. And you can see that they care for um for Devin Sawa as well because when Anton kind of comes into their window you can tell that they've hidden the weed from him yes right it's like no nah, man like you you go too far you know yeah. there's there's more to life than this they tell him like you know that there was a halloween dance if you went to school every once in a while <laughs> you know so like they they don't care about grades or anything like that but they're like right what well, i mean you kind of have to graduate, right? Right. You know? So they're they're good friends. They're kind hearted. I got like major uh, like Sean and Eddie vibes yeah. from from them. You know, uh, and I'm not saying that this movie is anywhere near Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is a you know perfect zombie movie, um, but in its own way, this kind of is too. Yeah, in its, uh, in its own way, it very very much in its own way. But they. Mm -hmm. uh, they 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 do they they get along so well and they, they play off each other so well. My my favorite interaction between them is uh when uh when Peanut is making out with the girl at the dance and like Seth Green doesn't <laughs> he 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 doesn't have anybody and he's kind of freaked out by it and he, he leans in and he he's like, Man, man, you gotta stop. One, we're supposed to be finding Molly, and two, I think this is illegal. <laughs> 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 I, I, I love after that girl's been chopped up by the by the fan, right? By the cooling fan. And they, they make it to the fan and he was like, Oh man, I thought I was gonna score tonight. <laughs> and then he goes to turn and he goes, Oh man, I miss I forget her name. <laughs> and Seth yeah. Green's like, You can go back and pick her up, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not crawling through all this, whatever her name was. <laughs> um, it's just this this movie really did do an excellent job of marrying those two genres, and I, I I honestly can't think of a better way to describe it. Like oh god, just and like we said, the, the stoner comedy, the whole thing. Like neither one of yeah. us are stoners, never really have been. But at the end, they're in the they're in like the auto shop room, and the they're fighting the oh. hand that's currently in a puppet. Like that's how that's so that's how it's showing emotion and stuff. <laughs> And um and they're trying to pull the handle before this car raises to the roof and smashes Jessica Alba, and they find this like huge bong that the auto shop guys have built, and Seth Green grabs it, holds it near, goes Mighty Joe Bong, <laughs> and then Peanut Peanut goes, I needs me spinach, like just <laughs> just. 
just dumb stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like those are those are exact conversations that like like that is an exact like response I could hear friends that I've had that yeah. smoke a lot of weed having. Yeah. Um I have a friend, a very close friend, um, who uh let's let's just call him a living breathing nug, right? Okay, um, fantastic. Yeah. Uh he has said those words before. In 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 that respect, right? T t talking about uh, about the devil's lettuce, as it were, right? Um, yeah, this um, this manages to be really funny. Yeah, and, and gory. I mean, the the gore in the movie is actually pretty good. Uh, you mentioned splatter earlier. Like, I was really, I was waiting for it because at this point, like, we're we're more than halfway through the movie. I know what to expect now. Uh, but it was still so great to see the hand explode in yeah. the microwave, you know, uh, you know, at, at this point we've, we've seen, you know, eyeballs get eaten by cats. We've seen, uh, you know, heads get lopped off, you know, and, and also I have to say this, the special effects in this movie hold up quite well. Yeah, they really do. This, this, uh, so this movie, like the body count in this movie is, is good. I mean, like, like all things considered, the, the body mm -hmm. count in this movie is high. Um, I mean, you've got both the Anton's parents get killed. Yep. Um, you, you, you see, even though they they continue to be in the movie, you see um, Seth Green and Peanut die. Uh, you've got the girl who gets chopped up by the fan. You've got the couple in the car. You've got the all the people that get crushed. Oh, what a by great the death when, when the hand crawls up! Oh, <laughs> oh my God, to Ace Fraley. To Ace yeah. Friendly of all things, but uh, as they're dressed as kids characters, but yeah, the hand like crawling up her, her that, bare that chest. Was Shane, that was Shane, not Shane Black, Ian Black, right? Uh, was it? I'm pretty sure that was Ian Black. Let me let me look that up. But I'm almost certain that um, uh, the guy who was in the Paul Stanley makeup was. Uh, I, I'm not seeing him like just on the regular cast, but I'm not seeing whoever that character was either. But um, it, it does. There's the the gore in this movie and the, the body count and just the ways that they go about killing people are are equally creative and fun. Uh, mm -hmm. like just, you know, like we, like, we don't actually see how Anton's mom gets killed, but we see her get pulled under the bed and the whole bed shake and then blood just splatter everywhere. Yeah. Great, great opening scene, right? You still don't know who or what the killer is. You just know that the killer is brutal. Um, you've got Peanut's head getting cut, chopped off with a, with a thrown circular saw blade. Like we talked about the broken beer bottle in Seth Green's head. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, the principal, the principal of the school, while he's on the phone oh, sex what a line, great, great and the hand death. crawls up his leg, and I guess just rips his crotch off, you. and he bleeds to death. <laughs> you know what? At that point, I hope I do. <laughs> I hope I, I I can't live without it. Uh, but personal favorite, the best the best kill in this movie, Dexter Holland of the Offspring while performing at the Halloween oh, dance. Yeah. The hand drops down from the heavens of the, of the, the <laughs> high school gym, grabs him by that blonde hair that we all know and love mm -hmm. as Offspring fans, and just rips back with such ferocity that it completely and totally scalps him. And Dexter Holland just, just hits falls the ground. Flat. So great. 
Like that's the one I had completely forgotten about that. Like when I saw him, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. The offspring perform. I completely forgot that Dexter was going to die. You, and so you then know, it drops. You know that, like, uh, you know, oh, that, shit. You, you know that meme that everyone uses of, uh, Leo DiCaprio in, um, once upon a time in Hollywood of him pointing at the screen. Yes. Right. That was me when the offspring came on. I was like, the offspring. I, I was just like, holy fuck. They are my favorite punk band. They are like one of my all-time favorite bands. So to to see them in this movie, um, and uh I gotta be honest, I didn't recognize the whole band, but I did recognize him and Noodles. And, and Noodles, yeah. And and I was like, fuck, I, I I love this band so much. And to hear them, you know, play um uh, was it the Ramones that yeah, they started they, off yeah, playing? They were playing I Wanna Be Sedated. Yeah, uh, I fucking love that song, you know, and and what what an apt song yeah you know because that's that's exactly what needs to happen they need to sedate this fucking hand you know <laughs> but yeah like and it's just and and like you were talking about the special effects holding up well i mean it's a really good special effect of ripping back and seeing his skull and and it you're right the special effects hold up and we we fall back on this so many times but it's because so much of what we saw were practical effects yeah, and that stuff is going to age better than CGI, which is constantly getting better. So if you see twenty-year-old mm -hmm. CGI, it feels bad. But the practical effects of ripping someone's head open are always going to look the same. Maybe look a little bit better. Yeah, and, and especially if it's done on film. Yeah, if you're if you're using film stock instead of digital film, uh, it's it's always going to be the sort of thing where you can keep uh, you can keep upping the resolution. And, you know, if this was done on, you know, uh, 30 millimeter or or something like that, like you can this can look really good. And uh, I think you and I saw it on Pluto TV, right? Uh, this uh, is something I, you can stream for free. Yes, you can't stream for free on Pluto TV. I went ahead and just paid the three dollars to rent it from Amazon. <laughs> oh, OK. Did you? Um, yeah. It, it gave me an opportunity to, to, to keep going up and, and refilling my, my, my little bowl of candy corn. Uh, this, <laughs> this is the, this is the only time of year that you can purchase it without having to buy in bulk Correct. online. <laughs> so, uh, so I just go nuts. Sidebar. Do you ever just throw some peanuts in there? No. It's a game changer. Game oh changer. I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm doing that tonight. I spent I spent a long time not liking candy corn. Uh, now I'm fine with it. I'll eat candy corn. But man, a bowl of candy corn, like two parts candy corn, one part like dry roasted peanut or honey roasted works too. I prefer dry mm -hmm. roasted so you get a little salty with your sweet. Yeah. I, I, I do like sweet and savory. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. Uh, down here in Miami, you, you get a lot of uh, like churros with salted caramel. Oh. Oh yeah, like the idea of that. Mm. But yeah, so I did. I I did pay the three dollars to rent it from Amazon. Um, and like I said, but I'm I'm honestly considering buying like the blue right now to check out the special features. Uh, there's just it's always worth it. It 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 and like I said, this seems this seems like the type of movie where it definitely would be because this is the type of movie that I would be willing to bet everybody involved looks back on this movie fondly, and they probably all really enjoy looking back on this movie had to have been fun to make. Yeah. Like it, it's just, there, there's no way it wasn't. And like us, and in the gore that, that comes across so well, because it's, it's always interesting how fine the line is between a movie like this, where somebody gets chopped to bits by a fan blade 
and it's gory, but also kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And and an Eli Roth movie, you know, yeah. where somebody gets busted open with, you know, like a circular saw. And it's like, that's a lot. Um, and so it's like, while they're very similar things, the 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 package that it's presented in can have so much effect on how you view the gore and the horror of something and all of the deaths, which like we said, they don't hold back on the splatter and the gore. When that girl gets chopped to bits by that fan, we initially get an overhead shot of Jessica Alba getting absolutely covered in this girl (laughs) and blood. And then we also get a shot of the two coming through the, the air duct behind her and seeing her splattered everywhere. And it's still lighthearted. It's yeah. so weird how they accomplish that, but it still remains lighthearted. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they weren't looking to gross you out. The right. the, the goal here was for you to, I, I think, to just be entertained. Yeah, and, and, I think and, so. and, and, and entertainment comes in many different ways, but when your goal is um like gross out um you you can only rely on like very few tools um and and the delivery method for that has to be something that's gross uh which is why you you can't watch something like human centipede for example and 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 really laugh throughout the movie because it is so enjoy yourself at all Right. You know, it's, I've, it's... I've seen I've seen two of the three human centipede movies. I will say that. I don't know that I enjoyed them, but I also didn't turn them off. Right. I mean, there, there <laughs> is that that sort of like human curiosity that's in there, you know, where it's like, huh, I I want to see this through, you know. Um, but the way that this is presented here, you know, it's it's just it's entertainment. It's right. it's pure entertainment and um it's it's almost like like Hollywood at its best, you know. And speaking of Hollywood at its best, the reason for that, the special effects coordinator for this movie was Greg Canham. And even if that name doesn't sound familiar, let me explain to you some Oscars that Greg Canham has won. Greg Canham has won Oscars for best makeup and special effects for Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and Vice that movie about Dick Cheney. Yeah. He was the, he was the special effects coordinator and makeup guy on all of those movies. This guy has got a actual shelf full of Oscars. And that's who did this movie. He, by the way, he also did the special effects. He was nominated for Titanic and hook, but didn't win. Like this is, so it's like, you look at this movie and like we said, 15%, $4 million in box office, but there are some names like, like we so that we were talking about Devin Sawa was the top of his game, but this guy is an Academy award winning special yeah. effects guy. And they got exactly what they wanted. And, entertaining and the, gore. The, the movie looks like they had an Academy award winning special <laughs> effects artist on yeah. it. The, the special, the, the makeup, the effects on the hand, the, the actor who played the demonic hand, is the same Give guy who him. played Thing in yes. Adam's Family. And yet, Hart. Yeah, and yet I saw that name and I was like, why does that name sound familiar? And so I, I looked it up and, you know, sure enough, it's it's Thing from the Adam's Family movies um, 
in in the the early 90s and like fuck it's it, it to me the hand movements were so different yeah somehow this guy is able to act with his hand like it's, it's not just that that he's got a pretty incredible. hand i don't have pretty hands i could never <laughs> i could never do hollywood with these hands i can play guitar you've got nice looking hands ah thanks <laughs> yeah uh and uh, there's actually some behind-the-scenes stuff that you can find on YouTube where Jessica Alba talks about uh, his hands and how creepy, <laughs> creepy they are, but like only when the makeup's on them. It's uh, it's kind of interesting, but um, yeah, the makeup effects just for like a hand, yeah, that's something that today would have been done with CGI, and and you you lose out so much of that. Yeah, like it was funny because while I was watching it last night, um, once the hand becomes separate and it's moving around, in my notes I just wrote "thing," like, I, like <laughs> I, I, I didn't, and I didn't realize it was the same actor. I was just like, "Man, this is real!" Like the the sound that it made when it was moving, like the the sound was very similar, and and it moved very similar to "thing." So then today I'm doing some research, and I was like, "Well, I'll be goddamn." Yeah, it's because it is thing. It's just thing that's been microwaved. Right. And I mean, and God, man, you're talking about special effects. That scene, like where they just show you the hand in the microwave and it starts to slowly bubble. Like yeah. they don't just have it blow up like a hot dog in the microwave. It starts to slowly and, bubble. And squirt blood yes. out of certain spots. One oh, it's so good. It's <laughs> juicy. It's like it's like a hot dog slowly being overcooked. Yes. And then <laughs> and then going back to the comedic element of it, they open the Seth Green opens the microwave, the hand shoots out, and Peanut goes, Should we clean it first? Because it's full of blood <laughs> and they're about to cook a microwave. He goes, Yeah, why don't we just clean the whole fucking house while we're at it? And he just slings the burrito in the blood-filled microwave. <laughs> and then I I, I love that. <laughs> The like the follow up to that scene, Devin Sawa comes back and he kind of peeks into the microwave. He's like slams the door open. He goes, "You let it out," or uh, he doesn't say you let it out right away. He's like, "Oh fuck!" And Peanut is like, "I'm sorry, man. They only had two burritos." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because no, you just, let the hand out. So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're like, but then for the rest of the movie, when we see the hand, it's like, okay, it's been scorched in a microwave, right? And and and, and it's had its nails, its fingernails oh, filed down by a pencil when sharpener. It, when he puts his fingers in the pencil sharpener and he's got the nails, ah, oh. like I remember, I remember as a kid. Like, like, you know, as an adult, like you become very aware of like what intrusive thoughts are. Right. Uh -huh. But I remember as a kid, like every time I ever used an electric pencil sharpener being like, I wonder what happened if I stuck my finger in there. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. You're not yeah. alone. <laughs> and so and so now you get this movie where you watch a hand and it's like, oh, it just sharpens it until the bone is a point. Cool. Cool. There cool, you cool. go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just the the. The, the gore and the deaths in this movie, like I said earlier, so much of it is set up. Even, like I said, my favorite death, Dexter Holland getting his head ripped off. That's set up with him, like, shit-talking Devin Sawa for, like, rushing the stage, mm -hmm. right? Like, he's, like, pushing Devin Sawa off the stage and, like, talking shit to him about, like, coming up on stage while they're performing, and then his head gets ripped off. So but he, many he, he, he pushes him. He goes, get off the stage, loser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and just so many times, every time, really, every time there's a death in this movie, it's preempted with a funny moment. And it's such a great one-two punch. And the laughs are good. 
and the gore is a really great like right cross like the 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 laughs are the jab right like you said yeah only one or two maybe laugh out loud moments but a lot of chuckles so you're always relaxed you know you're you're never on edge waiting those are the jabs and then when these when this desk comes in the gore are just these massive hooks that just come flying over and there's blood everywhere <laughs> and they they make you go oh as much as they make you laugh immediately afterwards it's it's like when um when you fail to do a backflip and you really hurt yourself but you're also laughing at yourself yes you know there that, we go. that sort of thing um i'm glad that you mentioned uh dexter again uh because you know you got the offspring they're playing the ramones like the music in this movie like you you are like just it, it's bombastic right from the very beginning because it, from from the very beginning you've got um what, what was the first song that they play um uh, very early in the movie they play blood clot by rancid um yes. yeah and then it's it's followed by like santeria yes you know and, and it's like one right after the other and it's like holy fuck and then you've got um uh, oh my God! Was it Randy? His name? Um, Noseworthy's character? Uh, yes, Randy. He's constantly Randy. playing "Shout at He's the Devil." Always playing "Shout at the Devil." I'm like, fuck! I love me some Motley Crue. God, such a good song. The I, how, how did you feel about the music in this movie? So since I've been doing Shiver, when we've looked at movie music for movies, we are most of the time looking at scores. Right. We are looking at music that is setting up moments and building a mood. This is the first movie we've looked at that's got like a soundtrack since I've been doing it. I know you guys mm-hmm. did Return of the Living Dead, which is a just a chef's kiss of the soundtrack. And we'll I know get you back guys- around to that. Yeah. It deserves to be yeah. done again. Yeah, I know that you guys did that one without me. But since since I've been doing it, like I said, we, we look at scores and how this sets up moments. The soundtrack to this movie ends up doing a couple of things. One, very much claiming like it's place in time, mm-hmm. right? Like a static X, right? Yes. Oh, the, yes. Late 90s, early Push 2000s. It. Push oh, it. Yeah. Yes. It's I remember static that, X. That, oh, man. I remember that music video and being creeped out by the music video. Oh, uh, Wayne. Yeah. But also being like, totally into what i was seeing i'm like you know yeah push it yeah wait wait wayne static was such an interesting like character as a lead singer right but yeah um you you've got that you've got rancid play you got two live crew yes um, with pop that coochie playing (laughs) right um you've got so there's there's so many great things like uh just in this uh, in this movie, there there are so many songs that play, so many songs that are on this. Like I went uh, Dracula, Dracula, which yes. Honestly, if if you're ever god goddamn, if you're doing a horror movie and you're gonna have a soundtrack, find a way to squeeze Dracula in there. Just do it for me. Yeah, just do it for me. Um, it it it, it won. You, you can never go wrong with Rob Zombie. Oh, absolutely. But so at one, it cements its place in time as you hear these songs. But two. It does something. We we talk about score building the mood and building tension in very much the opposite way that it, it lulls you into this false sense of security that you're watching just another teen comedy, you know, yeah. that you're watching just another teen movie. It's like, oh, I listened to that song. And and so and so you're you're lulled into this false sense of security of this just being a movie about some teenagers. 
Um, but you, uh, the thing, I, I think the thing that sticks out so much about this particular soundtrack is how much it speaks to, you know, really the two of us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, like it's, it's easy to go back and find a teen movie with the soundtrack that's music that me and you will be like, yeah, sure. That song exists. Like I remember it, but like yeah. when you look at this zebra head is on this soundtrack, you know, the, the, the offspring, the offspring covering the Ramones, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's such, it's such a weird combination of like post hardcore and post punk, but yeah. with punk, you know, um, it's, it is what I was listening to at that time. Yeah, you know, and and to, and all my stoner friends were listening to shit like this. You know, I mean, Sublime is the like the the, the national band of of Weedonia. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, and then, like I said, but then they then they then then they throw in some other things that. So when okay, so when we talked about we talked about the gore, we talked about there's a couple who's making out in a car and the hand kills them, and they're dressed like Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. Which is great. And they're wearing kiss shirts because they're going to a costume party. Fantastic. If you're not super familiar with Kiss's uh, library, especially when they went solo, um, the song that's playing is Back in the New York Groove, which is an yeah. Ace Fraley song that you would only know if you're my dad, who's one of the three people who owns the Ace Fraley solo <laughs> album. Which is really good. It's really not bad. It's yeah. really not uh Fraley's Comet is also not a terrible band, but that's for another no. podcast. <laughs> but so, so then they do little things like that where it's like, Hey, they're just like kiss. And uh, here's this girl, here's this girl's boobs and they're going to get murdered. And they're listening to Ace Fraley. There's so many jokes here. Like it's just, which by the way, it's the only pair of boobs you see in the entire movie. It really uh, is. To, to, to go back to this idea that it has aged really well. Um, we are living in a time now where I, I think um, most horror movies have kind of moved past this idea that you need to have uh, like this, this sexualization of women. Right. To, That's why when we, when to, we do to, old to slashers, we always do boobs and blood because it right. was a staple of the old slasher. Uh, but like, for example, um, like the new Halloween movies. Uh, uh, at least the last one. I haven't seen the new one yet. It's not out. But um, there was no sexualization of anyone in in that movie, uh, and and I think it was all the better for it. Except you for know? up here, every time I see Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh boy, I, well, I I it's I don't I don't care how old she gets. Like she's always gonna be scream queen, true lies, Jamie Lee Curtis to me. I'm just, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. I don't yeah. care. I don't care how old Jamie Lee Curtis gets up here. It's always Scream Queen and it's always True Lies. Yep. Prom Night. <laughs> Prom Terror Night. Train. Oh. Did you ever see Terror Train? Yes. Yes. It's mm. such an underrated one. Yeah, we need to do so, Terror Train sometime. So good. David Copperfield's in that fucking movie. Absolutely. But yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. Like they've moving past the idea of, as as we sit here fawning over Jamie Lee Curtis, who's I don't even know how old now, but I know she's well older than both of us. Um, but you're you're right. That is one of the things that helps the movie age well. And and the thing is, it's not it's not gratuitous boobs. Yeah. And it makes sense like they're high schoolers making out in a car. Right. When I was a high schooler making out with a car, I was trying to see some boob. Yes, like absolutely. it makes sense there. It's mm -hmm. not just, you know, it's not just a scene of like a girl on the phone being topless in the mirror for no reason. Right. It makes sense in the context of why her boobs are out. 
I I was watching um, Night of the Creeps. Yeah, uh, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I'm asking you as if you know yeah. when I watched Night of the Creeps yes, last. Yes, it was. Yes. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's there's a scene where um, I, I forget the actress's name, but she's she's getting changed in her room, and we're seeing her from the back, right? And it's like, okay, well, you know she's got underwear on no bra but she's getting dressed facing her closet as one would right, right. if you were going to pick out an outfit but then she turns around so we can see her boobies <laughs> and and it's like okay well this is just fred decker having fun on set <laughs> you know he knows that this is going to sell some tickets right and um listen i'm not complaining but it's unnecessary. Right. You don't need it, right? Um, this made sense within the context of that scene. Like they're teenagers getting it on. They're at a, a they're at a school party, you know. Yeah. Everyone got to prom, right? And this isn't prom, but everyone got to these parties either late or early because you were gonna get it on. Yeah, and that's what's going on in this car. Yeah, I mean, it was just, and and like I said, just it you know going back to the soundtrack of it all that was when when that song played i like i just like i said i was like oh my god this is this is such a great joke because like i said it's not even technically a kiss song it's just an ace fraley song and it's like and so it's such like a three layers deep joke that i would (laughs) i would venture to say that in 1999 this joke shot over the heads of 99 percent of the 16 to 21 year olds watching this movie like i said i just happened to be the son of a man who owns both fraley comets fraley's comet albums and ace fraley's solo album so as soon as i hear it i'm like oh i get it it's back in the new york groove this but, uh, this is how you know who the real talent and kiss was, by the way, because when Ace Freely left, their sound completely changed. They had to take off the makeup to yeah. uh, to keep selling tickets and keep selling records. Ace Freely uh, still yeah, sounded look, like Kiss. You, 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 if 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 you're not a Kiss fan, you heard it here on Shiver First. Vinny Carr's good. He's no Ace Freely. No. Come on. I'm just saying, look, we may have listeners out there that don't listen to Kiss. So let this be your lesson in the fact. Vinnie Cargood, Ace Fraley, far superior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what's even what's even great uh, about when we're talking just soundtrack, this is this is tangentially related to soundtrack. But there are two. One uncredited and one actually credited if, if you watch through. There are two musical cameos in this movie that are blinking you miss some cameos and they're in the same scene. There's a scene where they're having a vigil outside of Jungle Burger where these right. two twins were killed and we eventually find <laughs> out. That, yeah, killed off camera. You yes, see their ears. The- <laughs> um, so they're having of- <laughs> a vigil outside of this because obviously that's what you do when twins work. In what a, a, what a great reveal, by the way, of this Jungle Burger bag falling over and then French fries and ears come pouring out and, of the bag. And Seth Green immediately realizing, ooh, it's two left ears. That means it's from two people. Like, <laughs> what's, what's what? the logic behind this? <laughs> and then they immediately draw the line to the twins but so he's trying to he's trying to get randy to tell him about the devil because randy's always listening to shout at the devil by motley crew obviously this guy knows about the devil and so randy blows him off and he's going through the drive-thru so he like grabs 
he grabs the uniform from the vigil. It belongs to one of the dead <laughs> twins. Which he, he has murdered. Which he has murdered. Right. And he knows at this point. <laughs> he puts it on and bursts into this burger joint to try to get to the drive-thru. He bumps into one guy who's Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. Ah, and I then missed he, that one. And then he goes to the drive-thru. That's the uncredited one. I recognize that one. The next one I did not recognize. He goes to the drive-thru window and he goes, hey, it's break time. And the guy working the drive-thru, Tom DeLong from Blink-182. That one I caught. That <laughs> yeah. one I caught. That uh, one I didn't catch. I saw that one in the credits. Kyle Gass, I recognize though. And yeah. so like, that, it just goes to show how tied into the popular culture the creators of this movie were, even if it was the popular, I don't want to, the word counterculture is so thrown around, but at the time I like in 1999, Blink-182 was, it was, it was becoming culture. Like that was around. It wasn't quite. They had not Enema yet, of the state, but I believe that was dude. Enema of the state. Yeah. Dude ranch was out, but Enema of the state was not. And tenacious D was still, I mean, just short of underground yeah you know? exactly like they had they had they had had the tv show and yeah like i said uh, and when you have dude ranch you've got you've got damn it you've got josie those are both yeah. you know those are both good hits for if you listen to rock radio so it really does so like i said counterculture might not be the right word but it does show how tied into their audience and and th that they knew who was going to be watching this movie and they went with cameos that would mean something to the people who were watching this movie and that all just goes back to the soundtrack creation they knew who was going to be watching this movie and who they were appealing to um on the actual soundtrack didn't it, not actually in the movie but the vandals which like the Vandals were one of they're, they're you know they're an, they're an oi punk band but they were one of like my gateway punk bands and uh, they had a song called My Girlfriend's Dead that didn't actually make the movie but um is on the soundtrack like they were another one That's where such a weird thing man remember when I mean I, I always remember going and and buying soundtracks to movies and like you, you'd go to like Specs or wherever it is that that you bought your your music and you'd specifically look out for like these blockbuster movies yeah. that had, that had these amazing soundtracks. I mean, forever <laughs> that had, okay, listen, I, I will die on the Hill of Batman forever. All right. First of all, I'm just all saying, right. It's a good soundtrack. S second of all, it has a fantastic soundtrack, <laughs> right? You two seal PJ Harvey. Get the fuck out of here. Great. Soundtrack. Yeah. Flaming I mean, lips. See you alone. Yeah. See you alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean th that was something that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, this Agreed. idea that that there were bands that were contracted to like write music for a soundtrack. You know, yeah. even if it wasn't in the movie, um, I love that. And this this movie is kind of a time capsule for 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 that reason. Yeah, I mean, to the best of my knowledge, that that offspring doing "I Want to Be Sedated" cover doesn't exist anywhere except for this movie from where no. from I went and tried to find it. I went and looked around and tried to find offspring doing, I want to be sedated. And it seems to solely exist in the bubble. That is the movie of idle hands. And you know what? Or live shows. Yeah. It was a pretty goddamn good cover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're a punk band, then you could probably do a good cover of any Ramones song. The Ramones spectacular, yeah. you know, monumental in the realm of punk. But if you're a punk band, you can probably do a good Ramones cover, but they did a great cover of it and they put it on film. So good for the offering. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just the, the, the soundtrack of this movie did so much to move the movie along, to make it better, to have fun with it. But also, like I said, it just cemented it as like in, in its place in time in, in a way that nothing but a soundtrack could do. And that's that's something where I think like the the sense of humor and uh, the simplicity and uh, true the you know the the sexism of like eighty slashers placed them firmly in the eighties. You know um, these like nineties teen movies. Uh, of which I think that this sits firmly among them. Like you, Absolutely. this wouldn't be out of place in in a, a like a marathon that you're also throwing like not another teen movie and American Pie. Yeah, in, you know, um, like it, the soundtrack is a part of it. Yeah, and it, uh, it, it dates it to the '90s. Yeah, speaking of things that date it to the '90s, Randy with the double tribal armband tattoo. Double. Yeah. The man, <laughs> my man has two tribal armband tattoos. <laughs> like, you want to talk about, oh, I definitely know this movie was made in the light in the late 90s. Yeah, two tribal armband tattoos. <laughs> and and Seth Green's uh spiked up hair, that gel hair. Yo. I mean, if if that doesn't scream 90s at you. So I have um back I, if if you don't know me outside of this podcast, but you watch this on here, it may be something that you're not aware of because I always wear a hat. That's very much a purpose. I'm bald. Um, my hair is very thin. I shave my head now. Um, but when I was younger and I wasn't bald, uh, I always wanted long hair. By the way, if you head to Instagram, uh, ShiverPod, or no, actually, I didn't post it on Instagram. I posted it to our Facebook, facebook.com slash ShiverPod. You can catch a picture of Dave. <laughs> with flowing luxurious locks, absolutely wailing on a guitar. Um, <laughs> Thank you for I that, was, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with that one. Um, I was never able to to grow long hair because as soon as my hair starts to grow out, it curls, right? Like mm-hmm. I get the the flip, which which now is like cool if you're in high school for your hair to it flip is. out under your yeah. hair. Well, when I in when I was in high school, it wasn't, so I had to have short hair. But I was the king the king of the spiked hair. I went mm-hmm. through so many spike. I have, I went through so many spiked hair styles. I am so utterly familiar with late nineties, early two thousands hair care products. I have used Elmer's glue. I have used stuff called hair paste. I'm <laughs> like, like the, like that, like that was my punk kid aesthetic was like, I, however much hair I have, I'm going to stand it straight up. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and you're right. Seth Green absolutely he does so so often in his movies going back to yeah. clueless even um, yes but austin powers yes austin yeah. powers but yeah like seth green absolutely embodied that did you that, did that you do the hair. did you do the visor off to the, the side no see yeah. that was um, visor was a little too preppy that, that, uh yeah see that that was that was my crowd because uh, ah. I, I i went to one of these these preppy high schools and um and, and everyone was doing the visor just slightly off to the side with with the hair spiked out um and, and everyone smelling like Abercrombie and Fitch <laughs> um i couldn't afford the Abercrombie and Fitch so i i smelled like Hollister instead yeah uh i had a structure phase if you remember structure it was yes, it was, I do uh, remember it was structure. like limited or express for 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 dudes right um, right right so i did i did have a structure <laughs> phase in high school um i was always i was always too chubby for abercrombie and fitch but structure structure appealed to the 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 more heavy set high school <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I am uh, definitely chubby now, but ba- back then um, I was I was a swimmer and had a swimmer's body, and um, and and could could definitely rock the the Hollister and Abercrombie stuff, and um, it did so quite well, I think. Uh, nice. Although although you look back on on that time period, I don't think the fashion has aged well. However, you look at the movies and nostalgia just overwhelming. Dude, he so, and the, the fashion in this movie is is the other thing that I think is like, oh man, like you got you got you got the the music, you've got that sense of humor, which I think is like distinctly nineties, and and that that fashion, right? Jessica Alba's hair, you know, could very easily easily have like come off of Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston off, off the set of Friends, and then just transplant it on her. And that's that's what you got going on. Absolutely. Um, at, at one point, uh, Devin Sawa shows up to the basement with Seth Green, and uh, he's going to return the songbook to Molly Jessica Alba, and he's just wearing like boxer shorts. And they're like, "Do you want to par- <laughs> Do you want to borrow a pair of jeans? You know, first appearances and all." And what does he grab? Motherfucking Jinkos. Yeah, I can put these on at the waist, or I can slide into the leg of these. <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, and and as much as I want to sit here and joke about Jinkos, I was a Jinkos guy. Jinko. I was very no much joke. a Jinkos guy. But yeah. you're right. The the fashion of this, like you know, she she shows up to the dance, and, and I mean, granted, this is just stereotypical hot girl, you know, Halloween costume. Yeah. She's an angel in like a mini dress with just a pair of wings on, but it's, it's a nighty. That's all she, she's, yeah, she's exactly. in lingerie. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they're just, they're just wearing, you know, just, just hoodies and big t. Everything's big, right? In the nineties yeah. guys, everything we wore was big. You just wanted mm-hmm. to hide any, but like you had a swimmer's body, but I bet you, you, you hit it decently under stuff. I was a fat yeah. guy, so I, so I hit it under corn t-shirts and Jinko. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was uh, Jinko and Fubu. I don't know if you wore Fubu. Uh, I was not, I was not a Fubu guy, um, but yeah, I was a Jinko guy, and basically anything I could pick up at a Pack Sun. Pack Sun, yeah, remember the Pack Sun, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, see, see, I grew up, I grew up uh, in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So, um, I shopped at Pack Sun, and I shopped, uh, I shopped at beach shops a lot. So, I owned a lot mm. of, a lot of Massimo, a lot of Lost, a lot of Quicksilver, a lot of Billabong. Had a lot of Quicksilver, a lot of Massimo. Uh, man, the '90s was a great time to be around. <laughs> man. I saw a thing. This we're, we're we're completely derailing the show here, but whatever. We've only been going for an hour. I saw a TikTok <laughs> trend. So you know, it's like it's funny because they look back and it's like when we were in high school, they do like '80s nights, and that made uh-huh. sense. I saw a thing on TikTok now. They're doing 2000s days for like homecoming, and like yeah. high schoolers are like, "I'm gonna dress like the light '90s, early 2000s." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that was long enough now that people are just being nostalgic about it." But then again, here we are talking, you know, waxing poetically about a movie that came out 22 years ago. So, yeah, it's. uh, Yeah. So (laughs) there you go. (laughs) There we go. Exactly. We're getting old. We're having fun. We hope that you listening are enjoying it. And it's come to that time where we've got to rate this movie. Uh, We went through a couple of different things. You know, we kicked around some obvious options, but I'm going to throw it out there because it's my favorite kill in the movie. It's a band that I absolutely adore. I do love The Offspring. Dave even said he loves them Mm. too. So we are going to go, Dave, on a scale out of X out of five scalped pop punk lead singers. (laughs) What do you give the movie Idle Hands? You know, um, 
I kept, I was really confused because I saw the movie and I'm like, man, I really love this movie. And throughout the day, I kept bouncing this back and forth. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a horror comedy, you know, um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And then I kept going back to the thing that we keep talking about, how it's like, you know what, you got to judge a movie based on itself. You know, the movie is what it is and not what it isn't. And for that reason, I'm giving this five scalped pop punk singers because what movie is not five punk, five scalped pop punk singers? If not a movie where the pop punk singer gets scalped, number yes. one, right? That has never happened in another movie, right? Where you have a two boobied girl, right? Because there are <laughs> movies where there are three boobied girls, but where a two boobied girl gets felt up by three hands. Three hands. Right? Where um, where you have a hand that gets microwaved and the special effects are so good that you keep rewinding that scene to watch over and over again, where Fred Willard is forced out of bed to check on his who on his son, who he says couldn't scoot his ass to save his life. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a perfect fucking horror comedy, man. And I, I, I kind of said it at the beginning of, of the show and I was wondering if I meant it, you know, that it's perfect in its own way. And I really do think it's perfect in its own way. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, 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 I say this almost every time we go to rate a movie, but when we, when, when I go to rate a movie individually, I only rate it against itself and mm -hmm. what I think that movie could have brought to the table. And I, I, I occasionally feel a twinge of guilt when I rate something above something else. Mm -hmm. And so when I say this, I'm fully aware of the fact that technically by the numbers, I am rating this movie higher than The Shining, but that is why we change the metric every time. Right. I'm not rating this against, I don't even remember what we did for The Shining, honestly, top of my head. I don't remember what, what the metric was. But when we're talking out of five scalped pop punk singers, when we're talking about a movie that so perfectly is aware of what it is, when we're talking about a movie that 22 years later can still make me laugh and I can still enjoy it and I can still be kind of wowed by the special effects and I can sit back and just enjoy this movie. Like, honestly, if, if next week, if I had some friends over and we were drinking and wanted to watch, they were like, let's watch a Halloween movie, but something kind of funny. I would rent or buy this again because I would be like, have you ever seen Idle Hands? No, let's go. I'm giving it five. I'm giving it five scalp pop punk lead singers because <laughs> it's so perfectly aware of what it is. And it leans into the joke when it's supposed to lean into the joke. And it gives us gore when it's supposed to give us gore. And it's so highly entertaining from beginning to end. There's never a moment. I was completely satisfied in this movie. And I, I've seen this movie before and still didn't pick up my phone. Like I, yeah. I watched the movie 
and I and I loved it. And it was so much fun. And I was so ready to cringe and just be like reminded of the late 90s and and the bad jokes. But damn it, the movie did exactly what it was supposed to do. It holds up 22 years later. And I I even when I suggested this movie, I did not expect to go back and rewatch it and give it this. But I'm giving it a five too. I loved it. I loved it, it so much. It, it was exactly it. what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I um, I can't imagine it being anything other than this, you know. And um, if anyone were to rate it lower than a five, I don't know that we could be friends. <laughs> Just putting it out there. All right. If you watch this movie and you don't like it, I don't think we can be friends. Yeah. Because um, it, I can, I can exactly like you. What it's supposed I, to be. I can like you. I think, I think I like almost everybody, except you. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> to you. All right, but almost everyone else, I like you. But if you can't sit down and appreciate this movie, mm, I'm not sure we can be yeah. friends. Just, just, just from top to bottom, comedy, gore, soundtrack, acting, it, it, it hit every single note it was supposed to hit. Mm -hmm. And if we're judging every movie against itself, if it's not this idea that the, that, that a five is just this perfect movie, it's just a five. It's just a movie that is exactly what it's supposed to be. Then that's exactly what this movie is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. So with that said and done, uh, we invite you to, uh, to come back next week where we will be talking about trick or treat. Ooh. One of we, the we've we've given you we've given you comedy this week, but we're coming we're coming hard with oh, the yeah. horror next week. Hard oh, yeah. with the horror. And and the Halloween. I think yes. so we, we we've kind of like slowly leaned into Halloween. We're building up to that that Halloween flair, right? Uh but trick or treat lays it on thick mm. and uh and it's all the better for it. Oh, yeah. uh, so we, we've got some special guests up next week. We've got uh, the amazing artist and um, and a, 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 I mean, just he's he's absolutely incredible. Look him up. Attack Peter will be here next week uh, with uh, with another uh, great uh, artist in her own right. Uh, she, she's got some. Um, uh, some artistic stuff she does on her own double treble they'll be here uh next week reviewing trick or treat with us so please make sure that you tune into that make sure you tune into all of the geek bro podcasts we've got mount Geekmore with uh yours truly daniel debona and myself um i should be back there uh next week or the actually the the week after week after will be the next time yeah so that that'll be nice i can finally come back in uh after fulfilling some uh some long-standing agreements there um we've got uh what's up bro we've got seasons we've got comedy fitness we've got kick flicks we've um, got uh crimacopia the new crimacopia, one doing, yeah doing, uh, international cults for season one yeah for, former uh co-host and occasional guest jeff is uh is on that one with uh with the ever lovely talented and witty q 
is uh, is on that one. Very special. Uh, we as if you're if you're a fan of horror, you got to be a fan of true crime. Uh, they kind of just go hand in hand. So check out Crime really Um Check out uh, Comedy Fitness. Check out A Dose of Ellie. Check out uh, Childlike at Best. There we go. A shout out to um, Missing Sock Network. They're a different podcast mm. network, but uh, Mike Mercadal, who is a regular at this point on Mount Geekmore, he does some shows over at Missing Sock. Uh, we've also um, had some great guests recently from uh, The Floor is Dungeon, uh, which is a, another uh, podcast yes. over on that network. And make sure to check out Better Let Me Tell You, another uh, Geek Bro Network podcast. Uh, With uh, Ish, who will be back in two weeks for yes. a movie that we'll tell you about next week. Yeah, uh, Ish. And uh, we got to see if we can get DJ on. We got to get DJ he on. Is, he is vehemently anti-horror, yet his favorite horror movie is The Shining. So he's got so he understands how it works. He understands how it works and and he's he's a he's a smart guy, he's a funny guy and um and you know, I like him an awful lot. So, and nepotism will get you everywhere. Hey. So. <laughs> We're easily so, bought. Yeah, on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, a horror movie podcast. Fright you very much.